welcome back to a therapist thought, everyone. I'm Joe DiLorenzo, here again, talking to you guys. Hope everyone's having a good week, good month, good year, good life, and an okay week. Um, started off kind of stressed off, stressed out, but I started meditating and everything was all right. Had a client recently, um, was really, really upset during the session where he started to cry for a couple of minutes, maybe five, ten minutes, and he just didn't want to hear the word no, not from me, but from his uh, father and grandfather. He wanted to go to the corner store to get some food, but he was very afraid to go ask him because he knew he was going to hear the word no. He was having a what-if moment, and he just started to break down because he was sick of hearing the word no. And this, this is what the cast is going to be about today, the word curse. Neanderthals, as you will, and we, everyone, not just us, but all types of animals have the animalistic brain that's just instinctual and has no connection to emotions, and specifically, children have this brain still, and the environment around them is what helps them grow and shape to the humans that they're going to be. And in the animalistic brain, there is a tiny little part called the amygdala. And it is responsible for the flight or fight uh, response. The fight or flight response is when uh, you hear a negative word or something fearful is about to happen. You got two options. You either run from the problem by not speaking or freezing or just going into your room just isolating yourself or you can fight physically or verbally to get your point across now i hope that most people uh, don't fight physically or verbally because it just leads to more problems Uh, And I hope that you don't flee because how are you ever supposed to make a compromise or a conversation out of it to get the answer of what's going wrong? Uh, For instance, in my client, when he gets triggered and he hears the word no, he used to fight physically all the time or verbally all the time. Now, through therapy, we're able to help him mold his mind so that he can have a conversation with somebody. Although this weekend was kind of a new event that happened, he's now fleeing from the conversation when he hears the word no. Like I said, 
he was hungry. He wanted to go to the corner store. His dad and grandpa were right down the stairs, and I didn't mind bringing him to the corner store, no problem. But I wanted him to learn how to go up to his dad and grandpa and ask him the question. He was very afraid of hearing the word no. I mean, it was to the point where he was crying for maybe five to ten minutes because he knew what was going to happen. And again, like I said, this is from past experience. He wanted to flee because of what he knew might have happened. Of course, this is a what if question. And that's usually what pops into our head when we uh, don't want to go up to somebody when we're fearing an answer or an event is the the anxiety or fear of hearing the word no in uh, the situation. So after a while, when we got him to use some coping skills to calm down, he usually likes to grab onto his silly putty. He says to me, I, I just don't want to. I, I don't like hearing the word no. So how can we as grown-ups fix our language to make it more positive and understanding the children. And this isn't the easy part because it takes time. And when people talk to kids, they think they're talking to adults. They're, so they're expecting results right away, which is never the case. And that's the hardest part as a therapist or as a person who's trying to teach a parent how to change their language when it's actually kind of simple I mean when you talk to a kid you don't have to say no you can take a step back real quick and think of ways you can rephrase what you want to say the kid wants to hear what you're thinking because if they didn't want to hear it then they wouldn't have asked you the question so if a youth asks you know, can I go play with my friends in the backyard or play with them in the playground? I don't know where kids play these days. They're running rampant. I don't know. <laughs> but you can ask them, what is the reason that you want to play with friends? Well, mom, because I want to have some fun. Dad, because I want to have some fun. Yeah, it's great. Kids should always have fun. That's how they learn. That's how they grow. That's how they become a happy, healthy human being. By the way... You can rephrase the word no by simply saying, let's give the name Johnny. Johnny, I understand that you want to go play with your friends, but right now you have to do your homework or you have to eat your food or you have to clean your room. And you're going to get a rebuttal from the youth without a doubt. But what happens in this sentence, I understand your needs and your wants, is making the youth feel heard or wanted. And they may not know it, but subconsciously they're saying to themselves, my parent cares about my needs and wants. I should try to follow their rules next time so I can go play with my friends in the playground or the room. And that's where most parents or teachers get frustrated with is because the child doesn't do what the 
parent wants or the teacher wants all the time. And it takes a conversation with the child. And it, it doesn't, it's not going to take one conversation. So I'm saying it's going to take multiple conversations to get them to know it. But the point is that you don't quit and you never give up, especially with kids. Because in the future, if we don't have regular conversations with them and, we, and they keep hearing the word no, they're not going to want to go up to teachers or authority-like figures to ask questions. They're not going to be creative. They're going to be followers. And personally, I don't think the world needs any more followers. I think it needs leaders and it needs collaborators. What I mean by collaborators is if the mom and dad are always telling the child no, the child is at one point, like my client, be fearful of rebuttaling and they're just going to be a follower and be very submissive. And at some point, it could develop into something even worse, which could be anxiety, that social anxiety. Like, just put yourself in the position of, you know, a person with social anxiety. I can't, I'm at a party, and I'm, I can't go up to this one person, and I deal with this sometimes as well. You know, I'm human. I think everybody else has at some level this, this point. I'm going to go up to this person. I'm not going to get the response that I want. So what's the point of going up to them? Now, social anxiety takes it deeper where it's saying, uh, I'm going to hear that no. So why should I waste my time going up to this group of people if they're going to reject me? No one likes being rejected, especially when you're a kid. They're sponges. Everyone is sponges. When we hear something or we see something, it gets absorbed into our brain consciously and or subconsciously, and it helps us build who we are today. And if you look at kids, the way that they are today is because of their environment and how they grew up in. It's very nerve-wracking for a therapist to go up to a parent and say, this is how you... This is how you... I don't know. That's how I'm not going to say it. I I caught myself. I'm probably going to say this is a way where this situation could have gone differently if you said this. Not the word no. And on the other side, not the client side, but the parent side, sometimes we have to deal with the parents. They're going to get angry at us and or they're just going to say, no, this is not a good fit because parents can be stubborn. They're in their ways. Think of how long they've been teaching. Think of how long they've been parenting in this situation. They've been parenting for eight years and probably more because his sister's a little bit older. So for these specific parents, it is hard because they do use a lot of negative language and it, it hurts me as a an adult and as a therapist and to hear them say these type of things to my client because I know how he feels about it. So of course I'm going to go up to the parent and ask them to change their language because I want my client to get better. I want him to grow up a healthy person. I want him to grow up a leader. And I hope that they do that. But of course I can't force them to do anything. And not only does it take my client time 
or any youth time to build their brain into a, a healthy one. It's it's going to take the parents time to learn as well. And which is kind of frustrating for me because I look at the parents and I say, you see what's going on with your kid and yet you're not going to improve yourself because you just think it's the child's fault. When in most, if not every case I see, it's the environment that the parents facilitate that's making the child act the way that they are. And I'm not saying it's always the parents, okay? It's, it's starting to sound like I'm saying, oh, the parents this, the parents that. How come you can't treat your kids right? It's sometimes there's the biological factor that plays into it. But we could facilitate biological healthy growth by positive talk and positive thinking with the children. So for the parents and older people in the child's life, I want you to think because their brain is like a big Play-Doh. And it is. It's huge Play-Doh. You are the ones that have your hands on their brain. You're the ones that are sculpting them. So please, stray from the word no. Let's try different conversations that have positive talk in it so that one day they can grow older and then they can be leaders and not submissive people who just follow others around. Again, if this podcast had any kind of feelings or brought up any kind of bad memories, um, go to therapistthought.com. You can click the resources and there's a suicide hotline and there's also a addictions link you can click for.